Church devotional podcast to make sure you have the spiritual nourishment that you need to make it through these difficult times. On Wednesdays, we're continuing our look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and as we've noted, the theme of this book is Solomon's pursuit of meaning in life through everything under the sun, that is, in all things apart from the Lord, only to find it's all vanity or meaningless. If you have to know Solomon's conclusion on the ultimate purpose of life, you can peek ahead to chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. But as always, I want to encourage you to read the entire book of Ecclesiastes in one setting to hear his full argument on the futility of a life apart from the Lord. Today we are on Ecclesiastes chapter 6, starting with the first nine verses. Let's go to the scripture. Verse 1. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavily on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It's a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness his name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun nor known anything, and yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the same place? All the toil of man is for his mouth, and yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool, and what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity in a striving after the wind. Verse 1 and 2 tell us that there is an evil that lies heavily on mankind, that under the sun, apart from God, it's unescapable. What is it? It's that wealth and possessions will never satisfy. This is at least the fourth time that Solomon addresses this fact. And if anyone could speak authoritatively on this, it would be Solomon, one of history's richest kings. All of the stuff of this world gives the promise or illusion of fulfillment, but leaves the possessor inwardly empty and spiritually bankrupt. Verses 7-9 through nine further emphasize the meaningless vanity and endless pursuit of satisfaction in material things. Paul would tell us to avoid this evil, contentment is the key. In 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. The question is, are you content? Let's go back to verses 3-6, through six, where Solomon examines the end of a life lived with this mindset. He says, If a man fathers a hundred children and his years are many... The number of children was an indication of great wealth, and living many years insinuated the blessing of God. So, if you had all of this and your soul was not satisfied, you were better off dead. He goes even further, saying that the stillborn child is better off. Whoa, now that's harsh. How can that be? Well, a life lived on the foundation of self and material possessions rather than the Lord is no more than an endless cycle of suffering and pain and survival of the fittest until you die. Very cheery, I know. He was saying that it was better to get to the end, that is death, without having to endure all the suffering, as he says in verse 6, they all go to the same place. Not only is this the wrong conclusion, but there are a couple of wrong beliefs that can come from this logic. One is universalism, and the other is annihilationism. Universalism says that all roads lead up the same mountain, and that a good and loving God is going to let everyone into heaven anyway. That is false. Every religion has exclusive truth claims, and logic dictates that two opposing truths cannot both be true. If everyone would eventually make it to heaven anyway, then Jesus died for nothing. 
Annihilationism states that when you die, you are annihilated or cease to exist. With no heaven or hell, blackout, it's all over. Other than being biblically inaccurate, sheer logic should lead the proponent of annihilationism to faith, as was the case of famed 17th century French mathematician Blaise Pascal. His logic produced what is known as Pascal's Wager, which logically reasons whether or not one should place their faith in Christ. Here's the short version. If the gospel is false, and you believe anyway, you may not enjoy the luxuries of this world, but you will still live a morally upright life with joy. When you die, it's over, and you lose nothing. If the gospel is false and you reject it, you live how you want, and the end is the same, you lose nothing. But, if the gospel is true... Your life here on earth will be described as earlier, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you get to enjoy eternity in heaven forever with God, you have gained everything. But if the gospel is true and you reject it, you lose everything and spend eternity apart from the Lord in the lake of fire. The benefits of faith for this life and the life to come should be enough to woo the hardest heart to the Lord. But for those who must make an analysis purely based on risk and reward, the only logical conclusion should be to place your trust in Christ. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Verses 10 through 12 read, Whatever has come has already been named, and it has been known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which pass like a shadow? For who can tell a man what will be after him under the sun? Verse 10 alludes to the fact that God is in control and we cannot argue with him. Well, we can try, but it never really works out for us. If you're like me, you've prayed before and God seemingly chose not to answer, which probably made you ask, Why, God? Do you even hear me? But you may be able to look back and be glad that there are some prayers that he did not answer. The truth is, God does answer prayer. Sometimes it's in line with what we want, other times it's not. But every time, we can trust that God will answer our prayers the same way we would if we only knew what God knows. I'll say that again. We can trust that God will answer our prayers the same way we would if we only knew what God knows. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're not only the logical choice for all people, but the only choice, the only one worthy. Help us to share that truth with others as we walk with you. You've not shown us what the future holds, but we know that none of it catches you by surprise. Let us walk closer with you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us here Monday through Friday for more devotions from the Bible Fellowship family. And on Sundays for our services streamed live on YouTube and Facebook. You can join us in person on Sundays for service at 9 and 11 a.m. and at 6 p.m. for our evening service. Go to our website, www.bfcsebring.com, for the links to services. And be sure to download our new app. Have a blessed day.